so you've got your you've got your town, you've got your dungeon, you, you know, you've got a list of names that you know you're ready for when PCs go off the rails. You, you know, you've got a few NPCs you've fleshed out. The one thing, the biggest thing that I would I would tell you was would be to understand and know your world. So whether that's you're creating your own or whether you're using a preception like you know Ebron or um, Forgotten Realms. If you're using a, a pre-published one, read as much as you can. Understand the world. Understand the place where you're playing, like if it's Sword Coast or whatever. Understand that. Read as much as you can about it. But if you're creating your own, just try and nut out what your theme of the world is just briefly, you know, even a paragraph or dot points. And I always like that there's an old marketing term where clouds and dirt, and I kind of used it in, in role-playing, is you need to add a the cloud stuff which is like your gods you know and you don't need to create all of them like i never did you just create the ones that are important in the game or the piece the players right and you create all the high level stuff you, you know you a name for the continent and you know all that just briefly right and what what, what the world's about is it stand, stock standard fantasy is it more like eberron is it you know more like planescape what, what what are you trying what are the themes you're going for and then you get in the dirt and the dirt is the town the dungeon and that sort of stuff Hello, rescuers. Welcome back to Roleplay Rescue, the podcast about rediscovering our lost role-playing games hobby. It's officially episode three, and I've been chatting to someone I've been wanting to interview ever since January 2023, when I heard him on another podcast, the Red Caps podcast, talking about zines. This conversation was one of those open chats that I've discovered I prefer to have with my guests. Yeah, I had a few questions in my pocket, but really, this was just me chatting to them. It's pretty good stuff. I was super useful to me and back on the last day of September when I recorded it, I was super grateful for this guest coming on my show. So I really hope you enjoy it too. Big thanks to my guest Rust for coming on the show. All his links are in the show notes. Let's just get into it. It's season 13, episode 3, Talking D&D with Yum DM. Yum DM is the creator of the D12 monthly zine, which started in mid-2021 and has grown from a humble eight pages to, in September 2023 anyway, 27 issues now at a whopping roughly 28 pages, I think, last count. Hailing from Australia, Rust has been role-playing for 30 or more years and allegedly played his first game as Tasselhoff in a Dragonlance module. He has been creating his own campaign world since 2019 and has seen it grow and develop in each new campaign he runs. Russ is an avid solo role player, having done so as far back as 1986, or so he claims. So big thanks for joining us, Russ, and welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. It's it's great to be here. I'm, I'm a big fan of the show, and, and I'm happy you asked me on. Well, you're always welcome on. There's, there's a couple of stats there you... you, 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 you I think maybe maybe I, my bio isn't up to date. 
<laughs> so I, uh, I think I worked at thirty five years now. I've been role playing. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, and uh, I think I'm on to issue. I'm working on issue thirty, but uh, issue twenty twenty eight. So that's because I started with issue zero. Mm-hmm. So there's twenty nine issues out now. So okay. or will be soon. So, but yeah, no, it's 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 great. Um, great to be here and great to chat about the game we love. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, D12 Monthly is described, especially on your Patreon, as a D&D zine. So, I mean, the first question I really wanted to ask you was like, which edition is it aimed at? Or is it actually edition agnostic? Yeah, I call it edition agnostic. Um, I I, I kind of started it because I wanted to... I wanted to give back to the community that I've sort of been a part of and loved, and it's just not something I really love doing. And I, I did think about like uh, it was a, at a time where I'd run Five E, um, a couple of campaigns of Five E, and it came at a time when I was really just burnt out on that edition. I, mm-hmm. I, I just it was at the point where I just started deciding that I really just didn't like it. Because I, I tried to, as as I was jamming, and I tried to change bits here and there and try and hack it. And I've, I've even got a really popular blog post on on my site, um, you know, how to how to make five E OSR like. Mm. Um, but it just it just didn't just didn't feel right. I, I just was changing too much, and some of the players at the time were like, "Oh, are you changing everything?" <laughs> and so. I just thought, you know what? I'm not going to play this edition anymore. I'm going to look around for a better one. And then I actually I stumbled on, and I was, it was sort of at that time when I was looking around at the OSE and stuff, and there was um, Five Torches Deep came onto my radar, and I bought mm-hmm. that, and that was really cool. And then the creator kind of took it in a weird direction, and then I went, yeah, I'll look for something better. <laughs> <laughs> and then OSE came up, and I thought, oh, look, I'll, I'll dive into that. And, and OSE is probably my favourite sort of mm-hmm. of the modern sort of hacks or copies or whatever. Yeah. But I started originally on on AD&D way back in 80 mid 80s and that's when I started solo role playing because I didn't know anyone. I absolutely had no like I I got the some of the books off my brother but he kind of was at that stage he was I think he was a bit over it and he was just off doing other stuff like girls and stuff. Yeah. And yeah. um and then so <laughs> so I I sort of just I think I I think I inherited his books. I think that's where I must have got them and and bought a couple of modules and I was just playing by myself. And mm-hmm. it, like there was no such thing as solo role playing back then. Like it was always just done, you know, with groups and stuff. But I didn't know anyone who played. And it wasn't until I was probably late 15, 16 where I met a group of guys at school who who played as well. Mm-hmm. And that just blew my mind. Um and then I, you know, it was from there I just you know obviously played for you know ages and then I moved state and so I had to find another group, and then I found another really good group, and yeah. But I'm I'm a sort of a forever GM. I, I tend to like GMing. Um, probably not back in the day. Like we we played so many games, it was cool. Um, and we had about probably three or four of us who could GM, mm. and we just you know rotate different games. Um, and then, but yeah, lately it's sort of always ended up GMing. But it, it's cool to play every now and again. Um, but sorry, getting back to your question, ag- agnostic. Um. Yeah, I just kind of wanted to. It, I mean, it's definitely got an old school vibe and an old school philosophy. Yeah. Um, but I didn't want to. I didn't. I don't like the edition wars. Mm. I said it. It's just 
pointless yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and i'm one of the i'm one of these people who just i'm i'm not the sort of person who goes this edition is better than this edition i have my favorites mm-hmm. but i could tend to grab stuff from any and all editions and if you look through the, the zine there's ideas there from 5e even you know because these are parts of there i like but there's there's ideas from from basic there's you know ideas from ad and d and i tend to take what i like and especially with the older versions, I tend to simplify things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I sort of, I'm one of these people who probably an, an always creator where I, I look at something and I, someone's done and I go, I really like that, but I can do it better. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, like I'll just, I'll just hack at it until I'm sort of happy with it. Mm. Um, so, yeah. So it, I, I didn't want to lock into a particular edition. And seriously, like I could be making heaps more money if I just went 5e. Because there's so much of a a, a a market out there for just 5e stuff. If I branded it as 5e and did it, uh, and there's a few other zines that are doing really well out there who do do that, um, but I just it just didn't feel right for me. You know, like I just didn't like it. I I I'm te- I tend to write the magazine for for what I want. Yeah, and if other people like it, you know, that's great. That's all so, cool, isn't it? Yeah. So you've given us a, a taster of the origin story, but let's have the let's have the fuller version. So okay, um, so I was so what two and a half, maybe three years ago, I was looking around for something to do to, again to give back to the hobby and just you know just be creative online and and do something. And I kept on. It was kind of the time when when YouTube, for me anyway, exploded with all these people talk, talking heads about you know, um, jamming this and you know how to do it and how to mm-hmm. run and all that stuff. I thought oh, I'll do a video show, um, but then I could just couldn't. I, you know, I've got two young kids, and I just couldn't find time to sit down and just mm. dedicate to it. And I thought about podcasting, and I did a few podcasts here and there, and it just didn't. I just couldn't find the time to sit down and do it. Like it was just a struggle for me. And um, and then ironically, I saw a video around the same time on YouTube on how to create a zine, like really easily, like in in um because because I'm not a my background's digital marketing and retail, but it's not graphic design at all. Yeah. And so when you look around the zine stuff in especially early DD, it's there's a lot of really full-on art focused mm-hmm. zines and games. And I yeah. just couldn't do that. There was my brain's just not wired that way. And so when he showed me this really easy way using Google Docs, I was like, wow, okay, I could do this. And so I took that template, um, and then sort of created the first zine, but then I played around in and just to see what I could do in mm-hmm. Google Docs. And, and there's a lot of stuff you can do with that. Um, and the zine ended up looking quite good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just sort of did an eight page, okay, let's just see how people respond to this, you know. And immediately, I, you know, everyone, you know, immediately people were saying, oh, that, you know, this is amazing. This is really good. Um, and then I thought, okay. Well, if I can get a few people to say that, that they're not my friends, um, <laughs> I'll, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. And that's pretty much how it started. And then, yeah, the second edition was 12 pages. The third one was 16. Uh, and then the fourth one was 20, you know, so it just sort of crept up yeah. really, really quickly because I had so much that I wanted to sort of talk about. And the, and the themes came really early too. Like I think the first issue is just the, you know, the beginning issue. And then I think, I think yeah, from from mission yeah, I just had the idea around um, 
yeah, having those themes, kind of like what the Dragon Magazine did. I mean, Dragon Magazine is such a huge influence on on what I wanted, and that's kind of what I wanted to do. I try to kind of wanted a a that's a good word. I don't want to use the word generic, but I I wanted a, a zine that was that was about sort of that traditional fantasy vibe mm-hmm. that wasn't weird, that wasn't you know crazy. And I mean, that, mm-hmm. the crazy weird zines are, are great in their own respect, but it's not my thing. Yeah. And I just sort of wanted a, a Dragon magazine where people could actually get physical copies. That was the idea, to get physical copies into people's hands. And I'm so slowly getting there. It's like a PDF, obviously, you know, they can download it for free on my site. So people do it that way. Mm-hmm. But there's, you know, there's a growing number who want the physical copies. And I, I found there's a, there was a huge market for physical copies. Um in, in the hobby because people miss dragon you know yeah so one of uh wizard's biggest mistakes i think closing that well yeah i mean i guess from a from a multinational there's probably not much money in it mm. <laughs> you know with printing costs and delivery costs and stuff and i do struggle a little bit with especially delivery not so much printing but delivery mm. um get, you know especially on in australia and if you look at the globe you'll <laughs> realize how far away australia is from the rest of the world except for maybe new zealand and indonesia um, but other than that, it's like it it costs a lot to get stuff to America and and Europe and stuff. So that you know, I've sort of worked out a way that I can do it. Um, I'm probably I'm sort of looking at more print on demand stuff, but I kind of like printing stuff here and sending it to people. It's kind yeah. of that kind of again that kind of physical. Mm. You know, I'm I'm shipping something to somebody rather than sort of they're somewhere in a state, so they're printing it on demand and then just shipping it out. There's something personal about a zine as well, isn't there? You know that, and like yeah. to, to, to yeah. print it yourself, or even have it printed and then like you know package it up and ship it. That's cool. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, I, I yeah, it, it, it'd be, it'd be really good to just be able to go. Like I'm sort of working on more sort of live physical stuff around locally, like getting into game shops and going to to cons and stuff, and actually like you know handing it to people and stuff. So that that'd be cool. Um, yeah. Okay. That's really cool. Um, tell us a little bit. So you've you've hinted a little bit about like the you know when you first got into D and D. Take us right back. Uh, tell us about a little bit about like your first experiences of that. What I'm curious oh, wow. about is kind of like what you particularly enjoyed about it. What hooked you in? Yeah, my first ever experience with D and D was watching my brother play, mm-hmm. and I came at it from a really odd angle i think i don't know whether it was that unusual but i don't i don't know but my brother had his had a friend and his friend used to gm and my brother used to play my bro- brother played six characters like he played the whole party okay it was just him mm. and so when that was my first and i thought okay this is the way you play you play with two people and you know because i didn't know any different and um and then i remember <laughs> it was probably a good intro to, to old school dnd because Every every game I watched was like his characters would just die horribly, <laughs> <laughs> and um and they're all different levels and they were yeah. like you know well mm. anyway and so that was my first intro and then I got kind of interested before that although actually my I, I think my gateway drug was the fighting fantasy books yeah okay New Livingston like they even today the, the seeing one fills my heart with joy yeah um, and and I still love rolling two d six and I swear it's because of, mm-hmm. of those books um 
you know, and so I was already sort of into that fantasy vibe and I'd read The mm. Hobbit and, you know, so I was already on that track. But then, you know, the D&D thing kind of seemed really interesting and then I started reading the books and it was completely confusing. And um, and then once I got the books, I was like, I wanted to play, but I didn't know anyone who played. And so I just started rolling random dungeons and putting characters through. And I again, I had like six, eight characters that I'd run through these dungeons all by myself. Is that that's that's why I thought we played, and then I finally met a, a few people at school, um, and they they played all different games. Like they were playing, you know, Twilight Two Thousand, Phoenix Command, um, what else? The original Alien um, role playing game. I think, or maybe we just made that up. I can't remember now. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Cyberpunk Twenty Twenty. Um, you know, all all these games. Um, from the sort of seventies and eighties, and and I think and so and then then that sort of got me into a heap of other games, and I'm sort of glad that happened because there's so many people who play today who just tend to stick to D and D, and maybe I could have gone that way if I wasn't introduced at such an early age to different different games and different genres. Um, but yeah, and then and then I just played with that group for for decades, um, and then I moved move state as I said before and then just yeah um so I started on AD&D and and I didn't actually realize until probably in the last sort of 10 years or so that there was the whole history of D&D like I knew Gygax who got kicked out you know and we used to joke about that and um I mean you know in a fun way like we yeah. <laughs> you know, looking back now like when you everyone's got the history of you know the whole thing it's kind of horrible but mm-hmm. at the time, we're like, you know, oh, that's kind of weird. The guy who created D and D, you know, and so, and so, I didn't realize that there was a whole other like basic running at the same time. It wasn't until yeah. way later that I kind of realized the time overlap because right. we just assumed that basic was like the old stuff, and so we'll just play the advanced stuff yeah. like everyone else, you know. And then, and then I started running a campaign when Second Edition hit, um, which was. 89 yeah 89 yeah um yeah and so we started a really long campaign with second edition so that's that's where things really kicked it off for me um and that that went for ages i I think over 10 years i think Mm. uh and then i really got into third Mm -hmm. when that came out because i had a different group i was in adelaide in 2000 and then um then i played that for a long time so most of the main sort of editions really hold a special place like i love ad and d because yeah. it got me into it i love second because i just played a long campaign i love third because i love played a huge long campaign and it wasn't until recently that i went back and looked at bx and and beck me and stuff and so i'd say i'm a, kind of a newbie at those really yeah. old ones um but but i still kind of picked up the vibe and the hmm. you know the the i think that i like those old school stuff because i like I don't like things too powerful, too magical. I don't like things too crazy as far as, you know, yeah. um, animal races running around all over the place and everyone getting along. Star Wars cantina type stuff. I don't like all that stuff. You know, like I, I, I sort of tend to stick, I guess you could call it traditional fantasy. But then again, like if you look at the old, the old stuff, like that was kooky stuff. Like there was some crazy <laughs> stuff, you know, like modules <laughs> with spaceships and stuff. Um and I don't really like that either. <laughs> so right. I, I sort of sit on the fence and it's kind of a hard place to sit sometimes because you get the hardcore 
old schoolers and then mm-hmm. the hardcore new schoolers. And then I'm kind of in the middle and I'm like kind of getting both sides of it. I'm, like, yeah, I'm just doing what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, I can relate to that. I, I like my fantasy pretty grounded, I have to say. Um, grounded is a good good term, yeah. Yeah, and uh, human-dominated cultures. And, you know, if I can yeah. excise, or I'd, I'd quite happily lose dwarves and elves, to be honest with you, as well. Yeah. You know, you know and, um, yeah, I'm like that. And, of course, the new players are like, well, that's boring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm not sure it yeah. is, but you know, uh, yeah, I like it. Very yeah, much. I, uh, yeah, I, I do struggle with the with all the new races that came out, I, and I kind of get the whole, you know, human centric centric campaign because I think D and D is sort of based on like it doesn't have to be, but it's kind of based on that medieval Europe kind of mentality, and that's yep. kind of what I bring to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you can do like stuff like. You can do other stuff with it, like go nuts, like do whatever you want. Mm. Um, but you, for me, like I think grounded is a really good term, um, and I've written about that before. Like I, I kind of like my fantasy one foot in the realism, one foot in the fantasy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, I definitely know where you're coming from. <laughs> it's all good. Well, look, I'm returning to, I, mean, I guess in some ways, sort of returning to D&D. Um, so a, a little bit of background there. So um, I've I've got uh, two sort of streams of thought going on in what I do with Roleplay Rescue. And one of them is dealing with my um, social anxiety and generalized anxiety disorder, which got particularly yeah. bad in the pandemic years. So I'm sort of yeah, re- yeah. in recovery from and getting myself back to the table as GM. And and one of the streams there has been like the, the quest for perfectionism, which I'm trying desperately to break. Um, and what I've done very recently is started. To, I just picked up uh, Beck Me again, actually. And decided I, I, I game at uh, my local school where I play. Uh, sorry, where I teach. And I just said, you know, I'm going to run um, some basic D&D with them because I didn't want to play 5e. Um, and, and we just started to have a laugh with that. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that sort of very basic um, fantasy campaign. And and um, this month, so we're talking September 2023, you just published a, an article that's getting quite a lot of traction out there about open world campaigns. So yeah. that was, you know, that's worth talking about because that's what yeah. I'd like, you know, this kind of like yeah. sense of, you know, it's an open world game. Yeah. But a second sort of stream of it was coming back to D&D because I've been all over the place with all different games but actually coming back to like what is it about that game that you know keeps appealing so strongly um and you know that again it's sort of worth talking about i think a little bit um but what what is it about it because like you you know just like you said you played loads of different games but for some reason you know we find ourselves back <laughs> um, yeah in, for, in for me like i mean i can't talk to everyone but for me fantasy and i say in my zine um fantasy is like coming home for me because I started there, mm. you know, with the Fighting Fantasy books um, and Dragon Warriors even, like the original books yeah. of that. That was amazing. Some really good stuff came out of UK around that time. You know, there was some amazing stuff. And um, and so for me, it, it's always just felt like home. Like it's a, it's, it's a safe place. It's a place that I can, I know well and I can, you know, play and, and you know. And I think with the going back to like the sandbox and the open world stuff um i never used to always play that way i kind of always had a kind of a, a an inkling of that like letting players do whatever they want and i'm not and i hate running modules and adventures i just hate it <clears throat> and even now like I, I again i could make more money 
creating adventures, but I just don't like them. Like I just find them too too structured, too compartmentalized, and just too really hard to run. I actually find linear adventures harder to run because mm-hmm. there's pardon me, there's been many a time where I've just gone, oh man, I just totally forgot about that part. And now <laughs> now I have to try and wedge it in somehow. How am I going to do that? Whereas when you play like an open world or a sandbox, and I think a lot of people, and I wrote the the blog post on it because a lot of people in the in Twitter when I when I posted it just had no fundamental understanding of what of what it was. They just yeah. they just kind of imagine this this kind of pre built world that you've spent four year five years on, <laughs> um, which is utterly ridiculous. Um, and then and then you just throw the players in and go, what do you want to do? And like that's not what it is at all, <laughs> you know. I'd be bored if I mean I probably wouldn't be because as a player I relish that stuff. Mm. Um, but you know, it, it's a it's a it's an ongoing growing campaign. Like I had one guy say, "Oh well, if you want to give your players a subpar experience, you know, wow, then go for it." And I'm like, really? Like, have you ever like? And I kind of figured that I ended up saying to him, like, "It sounds like you've just had a really bad experience." Like with a really bad, because if if you have a bad GM, no matter what style of game, it's going to be a bad game, whether it's linear or you know, like it's just going to be a bad game. And so, um, and I think also I come at the aspect of when I'm a player, I like doing things out of the box. Like I like trying to figure out things of the world and how it works and get information and all that sort of stuff. And so as a GM, I kind of take that mentality, and I, I, I suppose not everyone's like that. You know, some people just like to be, you know, hand-fed or like the epic ongoing campaign where they can just turn up. Um, there is a thought, there is a thought in my head that is like, and I guess it depends on why you play, but a player is a little bit lazy like that. You know, <laughs> like they turn up, yeah. you know, and then go, oh, I've got my character, I'll turn up, you know, have a few laughs with my friends and then, you know, roll a few dice, kill a few orcs or lizard men or whatever, and then that's cool. I don't have to think too much. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm like the opposite. I'm like, oh, man, I've, I've just got to think about this. I've got to think about what I'm doing. I need more information, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I kind of like, you know, and, and that's kind of cool. Like I kind of get that people have different reasons why they they turn up. You know, maybe maybe they are just a casual gamer and they just like, you know, have, have a few drinks with their mates and have fun and kill some orcs or something. But you know, like for me, I want to be like plonked in the in the world and learn about it and and understand it. And I'm like switched on and I'm focused and I'm you know uh, until I'm not until I'm brought out by some you know character with a stupid name or something. You know, like I want I want to be immersed. Like that, that's why I play. Mm-hmm. And I think with the with the sandbox, you get a lot more of that because the players can then okay, so you give them the hooks and then they decide what mm-hmm. what to do um and and then you can run with it um and you know there's not one way to do things um you know there's any way the the players want to come up with to do things um and that's why i like it yeah i've been finding some liberation in like the the combination of like 1983 did which by the way i just picked because a i have fond memories of that game because you know we got into that um i actually got into i think 80 80 ish, so we're probably talking. It was probably my homes or baby X actually that my friends got me into, but 
the one I owned was the 83 Redbox. And yeah, yeah. and the part of that was the the memory of like learning to play because I think that box did a great job of introducing like so many people to actually how to play this thing. It's the thing you alluded to earlier of like actually nobody has a clue how to play this game. Um, but the other side of it was this this idea. I, I sat down for about 15, 20 minutes on a Friday a week or so ago and drew a map like by hand with pencils, you know, like like um, I'm just going to do this oval area here and I'll label it this this forest or whatever, you know, and this is this hill area over here. And then we're going to plonk on some villages, you know, or whatever, and some towns. And I don't know, we'll roll, we'll roll with it from here. Do you know what I mean? Like what, what will come up? And what I loved is the, you know, I can roll up something on a warning monster table or I can just flip through the book and pick something out. I'll plonk a layer on, I'll drop some rumors in, you know, and we can just start with maybe one, like thing going on and then you can hint at a few more and the players can go where they want that approach as a gm that was like liberating and simple yeah. do you know what i mean and i think yeah. for players it's like suddenly they have all the agency they want you know they they can decide you know like yeah. what we're going to do and it's um, funny how you you say that that's how you started because mm. a lot of the kickback on that on that twitter post as well was like oh it's okay for experienced gms <laughs> new, new GMs couldn't possibly do it. And I'm like, really? Like, it's just a different style of playing. So yeah, if you're injured, if you're taught that, it's just a skill mm. that you just, you know. Well, yeah, well, expert set. Like, uh, all we're yeah. talking about here is the expert set from BX, you know, 81 or all yeah. 83. What you get told is draw a quick map, plonk a, vi- yeah. a town or a village on it as a home place, like, come up with a first dungeon. Yeah. Uh, go really. Um, Which is exactly what I say in my my blog post. It's like yeah. you need a town, a dungeon, yep. and some NPCs. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, uh, I, like... I read this, this interesting reading your blog post. I was and I'd just been reading Expert like literally the day before. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, like this marries up. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, no, but... no, none of what I really write about is that new. I don't like. I think it's all been of... said before. Yeah. But well, none of sort it of. Is. <laughs> no, and I, I just try and maybe bring it from a different angle or you know yeah. just put well, a personal touch to it and well don't do yourself short because i think what i really liked about your article was this kind of like you know what i'm gonna write this because i think a lot of people don't know about this and i and i think yeah. you're absolutely right i think like the alexandrian is always talking about this thing about yeah. how the modern game yeah. has taken out the how-to um yeah yeah and so there yeah. are loads of players out there who are just to drift from how to, yeah. to and, I, and i think that's that's the problem with 5e from a from a business standpoint is they've gotten so corporate um <laughs> that they kind of forgotten what dnd was not, not what, it, what it's about but because they're obviously wanting to change it in their own image but they've kind of forgotten about the GM. Like I think 5e is totally an addition that's kind of left GMs sort of in, in the lurch. Like okay. the DM's G, I must admit, is one of the best I've I've read. Like I, I love collecting DM's DMGs, like Dungeon Master's Guides. The only one that I that really sucked was 4e. I, I didn't get anything out of that. Um I know a lot of people did because it, because that was a good how-to. But for me, it was all just beginner stuff, and I just there was no tables, there was no nothing. Five E is full of tables and stuff that you can use for solo role playing and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, it's good in that way, but it's not good in teaching you how to do. Like I would love, like D and D is so old now that 
it should really be able to tell you how to play different genres. So, you know, it, in the DMZ, it tells you, oh, you can play sword and sorcery, you can play this, you can play that. No, you can't. Like 5e is built with high fantasy in mind, and it doesn't tell you how to notch it down to sword and sorcery or to mid-level. Like one of the reasons I really love 3 is I think they got the power balance right. Like they have cantrips, but they're limited, and the most damage you can ever do with a cantrip is like D3. Um, you know, so from a magic point of view, it's that mid, yeah, mid-range. Yeah, oh, you got the 3.0 too. Uh, 3.5 leaves me a bit cold sometimes, but yes. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm showing Russ, for those who can't obviously see, I'm showing Russ the <laughs> Player's Handbook, Dungeons & Dragons 2000, my copy of that from 2000. I found this today. It's been up in the attic for about oh, nice. 20 <laughs> years, right? Um, wow. I found it today. I'm going to play around with it. And, and again, it's because yeah. of something you wrote, which I'll talk about in a minute, is... Yeah. There's a link from your article on open world playing, which links to about solo play. And there you yep. are playing with the edition. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk yeah, about I am. that in yeah. a minute. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, um, and I, I forgot my train of thought. I love it. <laughs> because... So 5e sucks for telling us how to like scale. Oh yeah. So the, how, how to play. So yeah. So it just, it just doesn't like, I think they've swung the pendulum too far to the player. Right. You know, and and I understand why they did that again from a business point of view because they're the ones who are you know there's more players than there are DMs right, mm. but then now they're faced with a problem that they have a lack of GMs because they didn't support them enough you know, and so that's their problem to figure out how to solve and I think they've kind of realised that because I think some of the rumourings about the new six oh, E let's call it six five point five whatever you want to call it. Um, <laughs> We'll, we'll address that. It sounds like they're rewriting the DMSG to, mm-hmm. to fix that, to help support. So I hope they do. Yeah. Um, I, I won't play it, but I hope they do for people who who like that edition. Yeah, I mean, put putting the starter set aside, what's really surprising about the fifth edition DMG and Player's Handbook taken together is there isn't a single example of an actual keyed map. No. Right? So you've got no. maps. There's gorgeous <laughs> maps at the back of the DMG, if I remember correctly, for 5e. Yeah. But none of them are keyed. No one shows you anywhere how to do that, for example, which no. to me is like that's dungeon bit 101, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Have a map. Yeah. Too. And I, I bought the, um, I didn't buy Beck Me as a separate sort of box set or anything or books. I bought the, I can't remember what it's called, the Cyclopedia. Yeah, it's like, yeah, that's it. Yeah. So I bought the Cyclopedia um, fairly recently, like probably in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And Reading that just was like blew me away. Like I hadn't read Beckme or anything before that. I'd read Basic and I, you know, an expert and stuff. But that just opened my eyes. I'm like, I understand why people love this edition because it covers every part of play. Yeah. You know, like not just your humble beginnings in the dungeon, but it it ramps it and it and it supports you the whole way. Like it, you know, supports you once you get to that stage where you're building. You know, tells you how to build castles and keeps and then it you know tells you how to do full-on mass battles and yeah. then how to become gods basically yeah. <laughs> you know like you can go from you know first to 30th or 40th or whatever you want to do yeah i love the I mean, the idea of going from first to 36th is something that yeah. appeals to me um yeah yeah you know, I, I I don't think I'll ever do it in my lifetime. I'm too old yeah. now. Yeah, it'll uh, be about 30 years of play probably but yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. um but I, and I, to be honest, I love that low-level play as well. Mm. And I think it's because of 
the power level, like the yeah. power creep. I love that. You know, and again, that's another thing. I don't want to bash 5e, but that's another thing. They kind of rush through those low levels. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's a, that's a shame, I think, because those low, low levels are so important and so fun. Um, and it's so much easier for the for the GM, I think, too, to run. And again, that's probably maybe why the GMs get too burnt out in 5e. All right, so I want to ask this directly. So, you know, I'm starting a new campaign in open world, right? But that's just, you know, just for the listeners anyway. I mean, what tips would you genuinely offer someone who is setting up, you know, they've done the map, they maybe got their first dungeon underway, you know. um, What what would you say? What what are your key tips? What would be the biggest things that can make a difference to their game? Uh, Definitely subscribe to my zine. Obviously. Um, (laughs) <laughs> no, that, that aside um look the way i do it like i'm not gonna i, I don't like gm tips and stuff much sure. but anyway um because everyone's individual but the way the way i would do it would be to so you've got you you've got your town you've got your dungeon you, you know you've got a list of names that you know you're ready for when pcs go off the rails you, you know you've got a few npcs you've fleshed out when because it, it's actually surprising because when i used to prep I used to prep all this stuff and you get through about a 10th of it in the session. You know, you never, you always over prep. And so the one thing, the biggest thing that I would would tell you was, would be to understand and know your world. Mm -hmm. So whether that's you're creating your own or whether you're using a pre-establishment like, you know, Ebron or um, Forgotten Realms, if you're using a, a pre-published one, read as much as you can. Understand the world. Understand the place where you're playing, like if it's Sword Coast or whatever. Understand that. Read as much as you can about it. But if you're creating your own, just try and nut out, and I say this in the blog post, nut out what your theme of the world is just briefly, mm-hmm. you know, even a paragraph or dot points. And I always like that there's an old marketing term where clouds and dirt, and I kind of used it in, in role-playing is you need to add a, the cloud stuff, which is like your gods, you know, mm-hmm. and you don't need to create all of them. Like I never did. You just create the ones that are important in the game or the yeah. piece, the players, right? Um, and you create all the high-level stuff, you, you know, you, a name for the continent and, you know, all that mm-hmm. just briefly, right? And what, what, what the world's about, is it sta- mm-hmm. stock standard fantasy? Is it more like Eberron? Is it, mm-hmm. you know, more like Planescape? What, what, what are you trying, what are the themes you're going for? And then you get in the dirt and the dirt is the town, the dungeon and that sort of stuff. But, as, and then, then you create it as you go. But I found that um, as I, and this is where I use solo play, that I, it helps create the world as I go. Mm. And so the more you know your world, the less you have to prep and the less, uh, and, and the better you get at improvising, right, mm. on the spot. Like as as a really good example of this, I was playing. This is in a five E campaign, and I was playing a game where at, uh, the other tip, one big tip I will give is at the end of each session, ask the players what are you going to do next. Yeah, right. And then if you do want to prep or need to build out that part of the world, like if they want to go visit, you know, a forest because they need to mm. get some herbs or something, then then you can go. Okay, well I'll, I'll detail the forest a little bit better right and then and then that's you're growing your world at the same time as prepping mm-hmm. right and so an example of that was is at the end of the session they went oh i want to go we want to do this and i went okay well i'll go away and do that and then i misunderstood what they said so when i got to the the next session <laughs> i'm like okay you want to go there? no 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 we wanted to go this way 
And I'm like, oh, okay, that's right. <laughs> but because I knew my world, so basically what happened is they they went down into a portal into the shadow realm. Right. And then in my world, the shadow realm is like a shadowy reflection of the real world. So they had the real world stuff, like a big forest, but it was really shadowy and dark, horrible. Yeah. And so I, I I basically winged that whole session mm-hmm. and they met like a shadow dragon and, you know, they gave him a quest or, or, or you know, ultimatum actually. But, um, <laughs> and, and they were like, did you just make that stuff up? And I was like, I kind of, but, but I knew what the shadow realm was. I knew what was there. I knew what they'd meet i'd had i had like random encounter tables for the shadow realm all, all done because i'd already prepped that stuff because i kind of love i love creating like world building is such a huge part of my dnd experience and journey i love it mm. uh, i actually love that more than i actually like playing sometimes <laughs> um and then um you know and so i had it all and so i could just i could just riff off the stuff that i'd done and that you know that was a session so i think know your world is is the big one point that i would make um and then and you know use use like random tables to build out your world is just you know a godsend like oh, there's a there's heaps of stuff mm. um and i think on a couple of my blog posts that i talk about what i use and i'll, I'll link to it and everything so well, um, I mean, and i mean on that i think it's is it issue 27 that is all about that um mm. anyway you know that's that, really really nice yeah, issue twenty-seven was really easy to to write, and it wasn't what I intended. I sort of attended a, a an issue where it would just be random tables. Yeah, and then I went, you know what? I want to tell people how to make their own because that's mm-hmm. kind of the best way to get a random. Like people, again, people kind of go oh, random encounter tables, and then you go, well, you're probably not using them right. You know, mm-hmm. creating your own and then making them part of the world and having them. And then and then riffing off them, you know, if they encounter a, a giant, what the hell was the giant doing there? Mm-hmm. You know, like so that do they have to? They don't have to fight him. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe maybe he's he's lost, or maybe he's after something, or maybe some bandits took some stuff and he's trying to find them so the PCs can help him. You know, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't have to be a fight. It doesn't have to be. Yeah. You know, and I think what I love about that old school stuff is you have all these little mini games and rules like you know random encounters uh reaction roles all that stuff but actually there's a reason for it and it actually fits into to the whole thing really well so it's hard to use one without bringing in the other one because the other one makes it so much better like you know you can have random encounters and just fight them all the time but then if you add in reaction roles Wow, that's that's a whole new dimension to that that table, you know, and a whole new depth to that table. So I've never understood gamers who don't use a reaction world. You know, I mean, like to me, it's it's just that I could decide, but actually, sometimes it's just really fun. And yeah. suddenly, suddenly, you know, the fearsome dragon that actually you get a really positive, friendly result to, for example, yeah. <laughs> is surprising and interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. And then, oh. and then your brain's like, oh, "How, how can I, how can this work?" <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But you know, oh, so glad I found you guys. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I never used to use them back in the day, especially when I was running like the third edition stuff. I never used them, and again, because that was a part they took out, which kind of perplexed me a little bit. Um, uh, but. 
but I'm glad I went back to them because, mm. yeah, I could, like, if you've got a big bad, like, if the big bad and he doesn't like them because they've been stuffing up his plans, you don't have to roll a reaction roll. Like, sure. he's, you know he's going to hate them, you know. So, but for the for that random encounter or for those, you know, minions or for the, you know, just if you're exploring a dungeon or exploring wilderness or whatever and you just happen to come across something, um, you know, it's it's it makes sense not to, I don't know, like you, you surprise yourself and you get to the point where you just, you're kind of creating new things based on these random roles. It's really liberating as a GM. Cool. You know? Yeah. Well, I'm sort of conscious of time and we haven't talked about zine yet, as in like how to, because you alluded to this earlier, like the, oh, the how, like, how to, okay. you know, but the, the reality is that, you know, um, I'm, I'm one of those people who, I don't know, there's an ongoing zine in there, but you know, that idea of, got some ideas i could throw down on paper you know but i'm not a graphic designer i am not a layout guy you no. know i'm a, i can write <laughs> yeah know. um that, that's so, pretty much what i where i was at yeah and when when you look in the zine like i said before when you look at the zine community it's all like these crazy art mm. thing beautiful pieces of art basically probably more art than games sometimes um and then but then in issue zero i do credit the guy who yeah. the the video on youtube one so if you want to go back and look at that mm-hmm. it's it was really eye-opening for me the, the there's sort of three things that you need for a zine you need art mm-hmm. yeah you need art you need writing and you need the layout right and the design so i was no good at art and no good at layout and design so i was good at writing and that's what i could do right mm-hmm. and so i wanted a design that that I could, and I, and I knew I want to do it monthly. Like for me, a zine is a is a regular piece. Like people mm-hmm. call zines, they only come out like once every three years or something. And you're like, really, is it a zine? Because <laughs> um, it's short for magazine. And magazines are like periodicals, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, And so anyway, so I knew I wanted to bring it out every month. Um, and so I wanted something that I could just, you know, had template that I could use. And so I, so of those three things, I could do the writing. The artwork, I, I realized that there was stock art out there, yeah. right? So stock art is is just a godsend for me. The zine wouldn't exist without them. Um, so thank you, artists, for putting your stuff out there. So for, quickly, for people who don't know, stock art is basically art you buy fairly cheaply, but it can be used by other people. So you don't have a, a license over it. you just got a license to use it that once or, yeah. or as many times. Um, but it's not exclusive to you. The layout I got rid of because I just start, I created that template. Once I created that simple template with two columns, the first page is the cover, the last page is the back cover, um, and then you have, you know, and, and you look at my zines, they've kind of developed over the time, like a bit different to the first ones, but that basic structure of two columns, mm-hmm. you know, and with and, and a simple, you know, free tool like Google Docs, um, you know, I, could, I can pull images across the two columns. I can, you know... So just basic stuff. Mm. Um, so I really all so the art was taken care of, the layout was taken care of because I basically took that off the off you know off the page. So all I had to do was write, and I can write till the cows come home on role playing stuff. You know, um, I'm not saying it's it's easy, but it's if 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 you love doing it, like it's a work of passion for me. Like it, yeah. I, I love it. Like it, like. 
And like some people have said, oh, do you run out of ideas? Like you've done like almost 30 issues. And like, no, man, I've got so many ideas. It's not funny. I, I just can't cram them into every issue. Mm-hmm. Um, finding the time to write that much can be difficult because you've got to go back and edit, um, yeah. you know, and all that sort of stuff. And I, I tend to do that myself. I tend to write to the first half of the month and then I try. Uh, it doesn't always work that way, but and then I try to edit the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I try and get ahead of myself, but again, that that doesn't always work. <laughs> um, but but the good thing about creating the zine as opposed to creating the videos is with the zine, I can, like if I've got ten minutes, I can just jot something down. If I've yeah. got an hour, I can put an hour in. With videos, you're going to have to, and like now, like we have to sit mm-hmm. down and you know yeah. find cool. a time and <laughs> and you know stuff like that. So it's very time you know mm. uh, intensive. Whereas a zine, you can, you know, I love sitting down and just writing all day, but at the same time, I can do it whenever I get a free, yeah. you know, free moment. So uh, I definitely encourage people if they want to do it, just start simple. Don't look at those other zines and go, oh, I've <laughs> got to do this masterpiece because you're just going to drive yourself nuts. Yeah. Um, and I, and I kind of came to the realization I'm just going to play to my strengths. And my strengths is is writing the stuff, and then I'll just let other people. And I, and I was lucky a little bit because I had a friend who did art, who is an artist, or a mm-hmm. couple of friends actually do, it, and they, they keep giving me art. Um, so that's really good. Cool. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, look, Roleplay Rescue is a podcast about getting people back to the hobby, right? Often people of our kind of distinguished age who have lapsed or <laughs> did did lapse. Kind of a lot of the time, actually, a lot of the listeners who call in, they're they're when they talk about getting back to it, it's actually about overcoming like personal barriers and then a bit of confidence. Do you know what I mean? So I don't know what, what would you say? I mean, is it, we we seem to be on the vibe of, you know what, just start. But I mean, what would you say to someone who's like, I have not played D and D for like 20 years, but I loved it back in the day. Um, You know, what do you do? What to get back into it? Mm. I would just go and find groups locally and play or online. Like you can play online now. Like Mm -hmm. (coughs) I've run games online and I've played games online and they're not the same experience. Mm -hmm. I I tend not to do it these days. um, And I'm hoping to get into an in-person sort of game locally very soon. Um, And I'm really relishing that idea because I just want to get around a table again. And I think the pandemic really opened up the avenues to play. But if, if if you're, Coming from an area where you haven't, like, and I think everyone who's been playing as long as me or, you know, whatever, at some point you gave it up for a while. Mm-hmm. And I did too. So there was a stretch there for maybe five to 10 years. I can't remember exactly how long. Mm-hmm. I didn't touch it at all. You know, mm-hmm. so there's always stretches where you, and then all of a sudden you go, oh, actually, I've got to get back into that. Mm-hmm. Um, what I did when I came back into it, I didn't know. Again, I, I kind of found myself in a place where um, I didn't, like I still have my old friends I used to play with, but they were kind of playing other games I didn't like at that stage. And I just sort of wanted to GM again. Mm. And so I just went to a local cafe um, board game place that, that you know, ran games. And I just went to them and said, I'll GM, you know, have you got players? And I ended up getting that that group of about five people and they we played for about a year and a half, two years. Mm. So, you know, go to those cafes, go to the, you know, um, games nights, go to cons if you want and play. Um, look online. There's always like 
I think you need to find, and I think you need to find the group that's right for you. Like some people like, you know, funny off the wall stuff. Some people like serious stuff. You know, some people like old D&D, some people like new. So, you know, you've got to find the group that's right for you. And that, that, that does take a bit of time. But if you ask questions of the GM or whoever's running the game, or if you want to run the game, um, you know, ask those questions around, you know, how do you play? What's, you know, what what game do you play? What what style? Because mm-hmm. even within the the editions, there's heaps of different styles mm. um, of GMing, and some some you know you've got to find the right table, and don't feel bad if you don't fit. <laughs> like t- too many people, like just they shouldn't be at the table that they're at, mm. you know. Um, and I've walked away from a lot of groups because I just. Well, eh. It's just, it's not feeling right, you know. And and to be honest, I said to said to a family member the other day, I said, "Life's too short to play crappy games." <laughs> yeah, I should get that on a t-shirt or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is. It's like a lot of people go, "Oh, just play," you know. At least I'm playing. But it's mm-hmm. like I can't do that. Like I want quality, you know. Yeah. Like I want. I'd much rather play once a month in a really ace game than play like three times a week in a crappy one, mm-hmm. you know. So for me, it's always quality over quantity, but you just got to find your group. And once you do, you know, mm. you won't look back. Or, or there's also solo play. Which I want to cycle back to. Um, so, yeah, tell us a little bit about how, I mean, again, you've got a cracking article. <laughs> so people should really check out your blog. I'll put all the links in, I'll put links yeah, to yeah. your Patreon, links to the mag and links to the blog. But, um, you know, the way you talked about playing, um in in the so it's an article from about 2021 i think um from memory that you know you kind of link to from a recent article but uh you talk about playing with third edition in your world and using that to flesh out your world and detail your world which is quite fascinating yeah so so one of the ideas i had was um i, I love all the different editions mm. so um and i created started creating my sort of sandbox sort of open game world back when i was on 5e so yeah. what i used to say was okay 5e was like the the stopping point. I've changed that now because I don't, I don't like 5e anymore. <laughs> but um, I use the different editions to go back in time and different eras and epochs yeah. in, in my world. So, okay. you know, like you could, if you go all the way back, you know, you've got your your fighting fantasy or your OD&D or whatever yeah. you want. And then, and then as, because if you look at the, if you look at the games, the editions, there's power creep there. Mm-hmm. And there's there's different things. So like you, start, you could start with basic, mm-hmm. and then you move into into AD and D, and then you um, move to second edition as another epoch or another mm-hmm. era, and then you go to third, and that's kind of where I've stopped it. I'm, I'm sort of working on my own sort of third basic sort of version of the game, right? Purely for me, mm-hmm. I might release it, I might not, um, and and so. That kind of gives you, like, you can still go back and play those old ones. And it's funny because when you do that with solo play, you can just add it to the history. So if I go back and play basic, mm. I'm playing in a, in a part of the world which is out of time with the modern the modern <laughs> world. And then um, and then I can just use whatever I, happens in that world as a bit of history so when I do play, you know, mm. with a group or something, I can say, oh, this happened. And I've got such a <laughs> great understanding because I played through that. And so that that was the idea I came up with. And it kind of works. Like, it's not perfect. Mm. But, you know, it it, it, it kind of, I like it. I like the, the idea of that, 
that mm. that you know magic changes and gets better and you know it's like basically the technology equivalent i guess mm. um you know and i think i i, I think i did um 30 years of the renaissance mm. kind of thing where you know all these you know magicians and stuff started you know playing around with magic and and all that sort of stuff and i sort of align i think i aligned that with a new god of magic coming in mm-hmm. as well so that kind of changed things as well so um you can you can have some fun with that yep. you know and play with different time time periods within your own campaign which is really I, I just find that i love exploring as a player and, and as a mm-hmm. gm i love it as well so being able to explore not only different places but different time periods within your world mm-hmm. is is yeah, and and you use the you're quite inspired by Taylor Manticore, right, John? Um, from yeah, with, I, with his oracle. When I, it's it's funny. <laughs> um, John and I sort of came, I think, come at it in the same way. Is like when when I wanted to start listening to podcasts, they're all like jokey and funny, yeah. and kind of like we're wacky, yeah. and <laughs> and a lot of them still are. And then I was looking around for something really serious. Mm. And um, I think I stumbled on his, or maybe it was someone else's. Um, and then I led to led to his, and I, I got him fairly early. Like it was, it was fairly. It wasn't really the first episode, but it was first to three or four episodes, I think. Yeah. So I gobbled them up, and I was like, "Man, this is so good." Um, and then, funnily enough, John and I started talking. He did a couple of articles in the zine mm. early on. Yeah. Um, and then I voiced. Uh, one of the the big bads in, yeah. in season one Soft. for his show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I still love that guy, man. I was so yeah. <laughs> I, I won't ruin it. <laughs> there, there was one episode that I was oh no. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, I really like playing that. I've got another voice gig coming up too, um, mm-hmm. uh, with another podcast. It's just it's just similar it's again. Cool. So it's really fun doing that. Like it's fun. Like I really like. Now that I've got a platform, I really want to help people in not not that John needs it or anything, but I really mm. like supporting the that indie stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, like anything I can do, like the last episode I had an interview with John just talking about his mm-hmm. his podcast and how he got started and everything. And like anything I can do now that I've got a bit of a platform to to bring other indies with me is is gold. Like I, that's one of the my objectives for the zine and for what I do. Great. Well, look, thank you very, very much for your time with us this evening. Um, and thanks so much for all you're doing in the hobby as well. I think you're inspiring a lot of people, um, you know, and D12 monthly, certainly, you know. Uh, well, it turns heads, right? Well, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> so um, they can find you on your Patreon. Um, yes. And obviously there's YumDM. Is it YumDM.com? Yes, yeah. So, uh, yeah, yumdm.com. Brilliant. Um, Twitter's a bit different. I think I have like yum underscore dm, um, which I'm pretty active on, or x, that's called now. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So just just type into Google yum dm, and I think it all comes up. Yeah, that's what I found anyway when I was looking for yeah, you. Yeah. So that's all good. All right, man. Great stuff. Um, just all the best. Wishing you all the best for everything that goes forward, and uh, you know, hope you have a great kind of roll into 2024. Yeah, thank you, thank you, and same to you. Um, I, I need to catch up with your with your episodes. <laughs> I'm a bit behind. That's fine, man. It's all yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, thank, thanks for having me. And, and looking at the list of the people you've had on, I, I feel very humble to be here. 
So, uh, no, no, don't don't do that. <laughs> don't discount yourself. Humbling <laughs> uh, is good. It's good. It's good <laughs> stuff. It's all good stuff. Cheers, Russ. Thanks. So that's it. Big thank you once again to Russ, Yum DM, for coming and talking about D&D and zines and all that great stuff. I really appreciated it. I'll stick links to yumdm.com and the Patreon in the show notes. Thanks also to the Roleplay Rescue patrons who support the show through patreon.com slash rpgrescue. I super appreciate your support. Thanks to all of you. And thank you once again to John from Tale of the Manticore for the Roleplay Rescue theme music. And most of all, of course, thank you to you for showing up and listening. My name is Che Webster. This is Roleplay Rescue. I'll see you again next time. Game on.